0: Good morning. Good morning. The first reading is from Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks Thanks be to God.
0: The psalmody for today is from Psalm 111. We read responsibly. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Pray the works of the
2: Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his
0: work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, in giving them the inheritance of the nation. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. The second reading is 1 Corinthians, the eighth chapter. Now concerning food offered to the idols, we know that all of us (coughs) possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to the idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, for whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brothers stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brothers stumble. This is the word of the Lord.
2: The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter.
1: Glory to the Lord.
2: His fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here we are, gathered together, here in this place and some watching online. But either way, we are together. The lost and forsaken, the blind and the lame. On this fourth Sunday after Epiphany, God reveals to us his authority. He reveals to us his love and how powerful his authority is when we stay focused on Christ. But there are many things that distract us away from our Lord in this world today. Things like electronics, relationships, work, politics, the talk of conspiracy theories, our economy, and how we're going to pay our bills. We have concerns about our health, the pandemic, riots and war, environmental concerns, natural disasters, even what will happen to our church if all this keeps up. We even get distracted by things that aren't so negative, the birth of a child, planning vacations or weddings, Renovating, building, or moving into a new home, we can't escape it. It's easy to be consumed by everything that we are bombarded with, that we see on TV, that we hear on the radio, or that pops up on our phones. With everything that we pack into our everyday lives, it's easy to be lured into the world and all that it offers. Sin, greed, fear because that's what evil does. It sucks us in and sidetracks us from God. Our Bible readings today give us a command. We are told to hear with our hearts the word of God and not to get sidetracked. We hear about the prophets of old that God sent to lead the people. Do you ever wonder if God raises up prophets in our world like he did in the time of Moses? And how do we know if they are false prophets leading us in the way of the wicked or if they are true prophets of God? In our modern world today, there are many people who claim to know what will happen in the future. We hear promises of big annual returns on our investments, safer cities, more jobs, better health care, better education for our children and our grandchildren, even unity amongst all the division. The truth is, we should recognize false prophets by their emphasis on what we'll gain from it. True prophets have a different bottom line and speak with authority of more lasting values. But for some reason, that doesn't make them any easier to recognize. Rather, as today's readings suggest, we tend to recognize them only after the fact. In the first lesson taken from Deuteronomy, we see that it took the Israelites 40 years before they could see things more clearly. As they were standing on the threshold of the promised land, wanting to know when they would be prosperous again, Moses, one of the great prophets of old, said that God will raise up a prophet and will put his words in his mouth. Consider how hard it was for the Israelites to take this in even though making a way through the desert had become a life-or-death situation for them. You have to know that they were asking the question, how will we know if a prophet is true or not? If they put their trust in the wrong person, they could die. And Moses reminds the people of their fear and early idolatry. When the Lord appeared in a great fire with thunder and the blare of trumpets, the people were frightened and they turned away. They didn't even hear the word of God because dread had deadened their hearts and they thought they were going to die. Instead, they turned to Aaron to make a golden calf, something they could see, to experience, to profit from. But Moses goes on to say that God will be the one who puts his words in the mouth of the one who will speak the truth. Do we ever find God too large and threatening for our small selves? Do we ever want to ignore such a voice, especially when it's speaking commandments that go against what we find much easier? We'd like to think that we can recognize God's messenger by the content of the message and how one might speak with authority, but that is rarely so. We often judge things by how we've experienced them through our own desires and fears. Hindsight is always better than foresight. In our world today, we hear from all kinds of people about what's best for our environment, our health, and what will end discrimination and division. We would all like to know how it's all gonna work out. But truly, the only one who knows is God. And in God's larger story, early indicators of this being true lie in another realm. Which brings us to our gospel lesson in Mark. 1,500 years after the time of Moses, the age of prophets seemed to be past. God had not spoken through anyone since Malachi. Until a man appeared in Galilee, who came from a humble family, and taught as one having authority, and not as the scribes. This speaking with authority hinted to the people that this man might be a prophet. This man was Jesus. Everyone must have watched his every move to see how he would prove himself, speaking with such authority, And then came the day that Jesus came across the man in the synagogue with the unclean spirit. This demon recognized Jesus and tried to bring fear to the people. It said, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And when Jesus spoke, this silenced the demon and drove him out of the man. Jesus spoke with authority and out of love for the man, a kind of love that only God can provide. How do you think the people around Jesus felt when they saw him drive out an evil spirit from this man in the synagogue? They were not only astonished and amazed, but they had to be afraid. The evil spirit surely was. It convulsed the man and with a loud cry came out of him what did the people just witnessed? They asked, what is this? A new teaching with authority? They had never experienced anything like it before. This event began Jesus's public ministry. Some people thought he was one of the prophets of old come back to life like Moses or Elijah. Some called him a false prophet because he was later seen with prostitutes and other sinners. At the time, it was hard for anyone to see the larger picture of the things he had come to do. But with the benefit of hindsight, we call him the Christ, the Messiah, the Holy One of God, just as the demon did. That's the irony here. The demon knew who Jesus was. It knew the power of God's authority, and that if people started believing, following and acting like Jesus, its existence would be threatened or even destroyed. That's why the evil one continues to lure us away with worldly things, unclean thoughts, and enticing us with the joys of sin that make it hard for us to resist. But God's voice, his authority, his word, his actions are a lure for us also. We are told to hear with our hearts the word of God and not to get sidetracked. But how do we, as Christ believers, live inside the world, yet also clearly separate from it? In our second reading from 1 Corinthians, Paul is aware that in the world surrounding him, there are plenty of distractions to keep the people from God. More specifically, he identifies all pagan gods and heroes as demons. For Paul and for other Jews with him, there is only one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Yet he recognizes that these gods are present, even though they play no role for him. So for some of the Corinthians, just knowing that these gods and heroes are not the one true God was sufficient enough to allow them to eat the sacrificed meat without feeling guilty about it. But knowledge is not enough. For Paul, Christ believers are first and foremost involved in a community. They are connected to each other and to Christ. How one behaves will influence the behavior of others so even if one knows that it is in fact not a problem to eat meat sacrificed to idols one shouldn't place one's knowledge above the consequences it may have in the community 1st corinthians 8 verse 1 reads we know that all of us possess knowledge this knowledge puffs up but love builds up for paul one's love for the community should guide one's actions in other words Paul encourages us to consider what we say and how we act toward others around us. Love in the community does not necessarily mean that you have to like the other people or that you have to agree with whatever they decide or how they understand the world. Rather, you have to consider what is beneficial. And in order to determine what is beneficial, one must consider how it will affect others in the community is my way of thinking best for the community as a whole? Am I reacting out of love or am I reacting out of a self out of selfishness and greed? Is God working through me or is the evil one pulling me away and causing my brother to stumble? If so, then don't do it. For the sake of your brother for whom Christ died, For sinning against your brothers and and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. The Lord reveals himself and how he wants us to live through his word and through those we are in community with. By opening our minds and our hearts to the love of Christ, God gives us the knowledge and his authority to live as he desires and what awesome and powerful authority that is. Psalm 111 tells us how great are the Lord's works. Full of splendor and majesty, his righteousness endures forever. He is gracious and merciful. He provides. He remembers his covenant forever. He is faithful and just, and all his instructions are trustworthy. Fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Practice it and you will have a good understanding. Another way of saying this is to respect and obey the Lord. This is the first step to wisdom and good sense. His praise endures forever. So keep this in mind. The authority of a Christian life comes from God from God himself. It depends only on the degree that you open your heart to Christ and to the extent that you live your faith in him. We gain wisdom by how we experience God in our lives, by how much we study his word and live according to his ways, by how much we allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. Respect and obey the Lord. This will help us to recognize those who truly speak with authority in the name of the Lord. You know, it's it's not easy preparing a sermon for Sunday morning to stand before you and speak with God's authority. Just because I have the title deaconess or just because Jeff has the title pastor doesn't make it any easier. It takes a lot of prayer and preparation a lot of time in the word, a lot of humbling oneself and trusting that the Holy Spirit will guide you in what you will say so that the people hear God with their hearts and not just words that come out of the mouth of the one standing before you. Authority comes from living the faith. Authority comes from doing the things of God. Titles are meaningless. You don't need a degree. You don't need a position, you don't need a title. Ordinary church people, like you and me, do a lot of living for Christ. So don't ever think of yourself as one who isn't important enough or worthy enough. For God has been known to do extraordinary things with ordinary people. What is more important is what you do about being a Christian. All the authority you need is the love of Christ in your heart. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we pray that we would use the authority you have given us to become your mouthpiece on earth. We want to hear your powerful voice above all the ungodly voices in the world. Ground us in your word, so that your power can flow freely through our lives like rivers of living water. Empower us to be and declare your will. Teach us to pray with expectant faith, with boldness and confidence. We choose to hold firmly to the faith we profess, and we will trust in you and not rely on our own understanding. This, in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Let us declare our faith. We'll use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, in You we live and move and have our being. Your love and Your kindness always go before us and always follow after us. Call us into your light direct our daily walk in the ways of goodness make us worthy of your calling to be called Christians Lord in your mercy thank you only father for the good news of Jesus Christ thank you for the love he has for us it gives you glory make that love rich and real in our hearts as we live this week Let it do its great work of driving from our lives those things which separate us, depress us, distract us, divide us from those distinctions that make us turn our backs on others. Help us to judge all things in the light of the cross and by its light to walk before you in all our days. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray to you, loving God, concerning those things which hold on to us and those things which we hold on to, the habits of our lives, the loyalties which guide our actions, and the standards that we often do not even question. Help us to follow you more closely, that we might love you more than we love the things you've created. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we pray now for all those who govern and rule, that they would do so according to your will your codes of obedience and holiness and righteousness. Father, we pray for all who work for justice justice and peace, that you would keep their motives according to your holy will, that they would do so uncorrupted. Lord, we pray for those who are hungry, for those who are poor, for those who are underemployed, for those who are enduring wars, surviving disasters, those who are captured by spirits of depression or addiction. Lord, we pray for those who will not get well except on Resurrection Day. And for those we name in our hearts before you now. Lord, in your mercy. Father, for all those who are going to celebrate wedding anniversaries this week, thank you that love wins in the lives of husbands and wives and in the family. Thank you for helping love win and being the source of that victory, Lord. And thank you for all those that we know and love this week who are going to be celebrating birthdays. Lord, you share your children with us for a time and a season. Help us to be thankful for them in our lives. Help us to be good examples for them. Strive to assist them as they journey on earth with you and toward you. Lord, for the other celebrations we'll have this week, we just want to give you thanks and praise this day. And now, Lord, into your hands we'll commend ourselves. We commend all for whom we pray, and we will trust in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.